Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. Conference Championship Week is here. I am Chris Raybon. My co-host Stucky will join us shortly, and we'll be breaking down Conference Championship games. That is, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs facing the Tennessee Titans in the early game, and then the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Minnesota Vikings in the late game. We're going to be breaking down our picks in a revised version of the Sunday six-pack West game, so we'll only do two picks a piece, but we'll hit on both sides, both totals, and pretty much any other type of bet that stands out as a value in each game. We'll jump right into the six-pack, but before we get into that, just a reminder Download the free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet that you make. All right, let's get right into our Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. And, of course, joining me as always, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my man Stucky Stuck. How's it going? How was last week? What did you think of the games? What's going on with life? What's up? Yeah, well, I mean, I was in Vegas for the divisional round and uh, my Ravens went down, which sucked, especially for the amount of money I had on them live. I kept betting them live. They had 96 plays and 12 points. But, you know, look, if you look back all year long, they never had a game where everything went wrong. Right. And one of the big things that I talked about is you have to hang in early. And Tennessee was able to do that. But this is a team that was... 100% on fourth and short throughout the season. You know, they were, they fared well in the turnover department all season. Well, you turn, you are 0 for 2 on fourth and 1, 1 in your own territory. And I agree with both decisions to go for it. And that's what they've done all year. And that's, that's their MO. But if you go 0 for 2 on fourth and 1 and you turn it over three times and the other team doesn't turn it over at all, that's 5 nothing essentially in turnovers. You're not going to win many football games doing that. I mean, Derek Henry's still just been outrageous. I mean, Tannehill didn't do anything, but. Continue the red zone dominance. You know, there was like the deflected pick, a butt touchdown on third. Like, so there was a couple plays here and there. And you got to give Tennessee credit. We'll touch on the other games really quickly. But the other, they, I then had the national championship Monday. A funny story that I was going to write about, but I, I saved for the pop because I was told by a couple of people that I was with not to write about it because one of the people was not supposed to be there. But and this is just Vegas on a, a big weekend. So I ended up becoming friends with uh, Glenn Davis, Big Baby's cousin. So he watched the game with us in our in uh at the Westgate in our booth. We actually had another booth next to us that no one showed up on. So he was just sprawled out in there. Then after the game, I'm walking through Aria and run into and meet. And by meet, I just like my friend went over and shook his hand. And then he was talking to him and I shook his hand. I met Flav of Flav. Shit. The, but the best part is I'm walking and I, I've had some drinks and I see from behind me. I'll send you this video. There's a guy walking in a Raiders jacket. And, you know, a very distinct haircut. And he's ahead of me. And I said, that's Al, Al Davis Jr. I swear. So I caught up to him discreetly, or at least I thought discreetly. And as I caught up to him and realized it was him, he goes into the bathroom. So I waited for him 
and he came out of the bathroom and then I was kind of like just hanging around a little bit and I casually walked next to him. And then I was just like, oh shit. I talked to him for like 10 minutes and he's like the nicest guy ever. For some reason, I, I thought he was not going to be nice. I'm sure he gets, you know, people coming up to him and, and stuff and, but he wasn't annoyed. So yeah, within like a five minute period, it was Flava Flav. And then Davis, that pretty much sums up Vegas on a, on a big sports weekend. That's a, that's pretty amazing. I mean, Flavor Flav, I haven't even, I used to watch that show. I remember in college, I used to watch that Flavor Flav show, like it, like clockwork back when people used to still like get together to watch TV shows. Cause now that really only happens for sports, but uh, like clockwork, did you, is that a pun? <laughs> See what I did there. See what I did there. You know, yeah. The Ravens game. I thought that was it, these games. Cause and we'll get into it with Tennessee and, and KC, but I think uh, both of those teams are tough to handicap because there's all these kind of wide range of outcomes that could occur still on, I think, the early game script. And once Lamar threw that pick uh, and Tennessee was able to kind of drive down the field, I think it changed the way that game played out. But Tennessee, uh, yeah, they did a lot of good things. And I think not just on offense, um, you know, with getting Henry uh, going throughout that game, but but on defense. And then, I mean, Bill O'Brien and these Texans, I mean, the one time, you know, we, we talked about it on the pod last week. We're like, all right, let's, let's, let's bet KC early. You, I think you had first half. I ended up. I at least had a little first half money line. What a prayer. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I had, you know, I had first quarter and, and obviously the exact opposite happens and Houston gets up huge and then uh, completely collapses down the stretch, which I think just is a testament to, to how good this Kansas City offense is with Patrick Mahomes, you know, healthy and all those guys healthy. But I think it had it had an impact on, you know, the, the total for this this game now, uh, this KC Titans game. So we'll get to that. And I mean, in the NFC games, they, they played out a little more closely to how I thought uh, they would. Um, you know, San Francisco didn't think Kirk Cousins was going to have much uh, luck, you know, throwing on that defense. And he really didn't after that one play where they, they left Witherspoon in and, you know, they, they tried to, to retain confidence in him and he got beat, fell down. It's a tough call. But uh, after he went out, they, they really allowed nothing through the air, handled Minnesota. And then um, unfortunately, yeah, I kind of had the same luck with, uh, with the under in, in that Green Bay game. I bet it a bunch of times live as well as uh, pregame. Um, so we lost a bunch of those, but uh, you know, the spread, both of those NFC spreads kind of played out. I thought they would. I held off on betting on the Titans game, Ravens game spread total period. So I only had three props. Jonu Smith unders both hit. I had Tannehill. I think it was under 14 and a half rushing yards. He enters the last drive with like 15 or 16 and then kneels down three times and I win by like a half a yard. So wow, it was like my first successful Tennessee betting game probably of the season. So the San Fred game, San Fred was dominant. It was a good call by you, deserved to cover. But if you're Minnesota, you know, and I love the under. I thought it was going to be a dogfight, which ended up coming through. It was shaky for a little bit. But I thought Minnesota was going to have to win a really ugly game with, the, with San Fred's defense now healthy, maybe arguably the best defense in the NFL. And if you go on the road, you cannot muff a punt at the 10 and then that pick that Cousins threw, and it leads to 10 San Fran points. And you know, without them, I think San Fran still wins, but you just you blew any chance you had with both of those. Now, San Fran had a bad pick, too, held them to three. Minnesota's pick, San Fran capitalized and got seven, and then you add on that muff punt when you just can't afford to do that when you were the inferior team. Uh, and then the Packers-Seahawks game, man, it is, it's wild that the Seattle is these playoff games on the road are scripted. I mean, this is a team in the nine games. I wrote about this, the nine games coming into this year before this year under Pete Carroll on the road in the playoffs, the Seahawks averaged four and a half points per first half, you know, then they come back and they trailed and they never led in any first half coming into this year uh, on the road in the playoffs. So for not oh for eight or nine. And then they came back and won a couple. They almost won a couple other ones when they're down like 20, nothing at the half. I mean, they were shut out four or five times. And then, you know, they unleashed Wilson and, 
he almost makes a, another miraculous comeback. But Green Bay does survive. We'll get to that game. And I know that we have a uh, a little shout out for Houston. And the one thing that I will say about that game is I was up. I and I'm not wasn't being Monday morning quarterback on that fourth and inches call. But your defense stinks. You're up twenty one nothing on the road. You have a chance, you know, and this is a, you're playing a defense that can't stop the run, and you were just getting two, three yards any time you wanted. You don't go in fourth and inches. I thought at the time, all right, this gives Kansas City a window to come back. I didn't think they were going to come back and take the lead in the first half, but it kind of just like, yeah, you were taking your foot off the pedal. Now, what I will say is if you want to do that, fine. Like, you're like, all right, I'm up 24 nothing. you know, essentially four possessions. I mean, technically three on the road. But if you do do that, then don't tilt that you didn't and then go run a fake punt on fourth and five. You know, you got to be consistent, like stay aggressive or don't be like, try to be your, by doing that. You said my defense is going to hold up and uh, we're not going to blow this lead. And so those two decisions were absolutely massive. And one of the wildest (laughs) first halves of playoff football I've ever seen in my life. I felt like I was watching a Mac game or like a preseason game. Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's, that's a good segue. Let's get into this Kansas city chiefs, Tennessee Titans. And before we do that, our coaches pep talk, we're going to, we're going to go with it early this time. It's going to be dedicated to those Houston Texans. And uh, it comes courtesy of former Colts coach, Jim Moore, RIP. Yeah. We're dedicating it to Bill O'Brien and those Houston Texans for that second half performance against the Kansas city chiefs. We got our ass kicked in that second half. Coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. It sucked. It stunk. So, yeah, I mean, Bill O'Brien, I don't even know if you can say he's tilting. You know, tilting would imply that he kind of knows the right decision and makes the wrong one. Like I don't he was know actually that's... thinking about it. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. It's, on the surface, I agree with you. At the surface, it seemed like that's what you're doing. Like, oh, shit. And I agree, but it probably wasn't. But it seemed like, oh, we didn't go for that fourth and one. Let me make up for it here with a fourth and five fake punt. But yeah, you're, you're probably right. It probably wasn't even thought about. It's like the opposite of, of that goodwill hunting where, where, where all the math is like swirling around and there's like no math. There's just, yes. there's just a puff. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> let's get into this Titans-KC game. And of, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs, seven and a half point favorites. That's where the line opened. The, the total opened at 52 uh, 51 at even at some books or 51 and a half. Uh, it has been bet up currently stands at 53 uh, as far as the public money and bets. And you can find this in, in the action network app, 60% of the bets, 55% of the money are on the Kansas city chiefs, the seven and a half point favorites. As we record this on a Wednesday night for the total 65% of the bets on the over 59% of the money on the over. And I do think the second half stuck will play a key role in this game because, uh, you know, it, number one, it depends on Derrick Henry and, and the game script. And if the Titans are able to kind of keep it close and continue with uh, staying with him in the second half. And you just look at the Titans second half record this year against the spread and it's 14 and four. Uh, they, they've covered 14 of 18 second half. So how do you uh, see this one playing out and where are you going with your uh, pick for this week? Well, that was another big part of last week. Like one of the things the Titans do is you have Derek Henry, who, by the way, is going to be running in like, I don't I don't even check the temperatures, but I assume like 20 degrees. They're just going to be feeding him as long as they don't go down. You know, and they're a team that if, even if they go down 14 in the first quarter, they're still going to feed him. Right. But there comes a point where you, you probably got to start throwing. But you assume he's going to get 25, 30 carries in this game, especially against the Chiefs defense. But one of the things that why they're so successful in the second half is they are wearing teams down. They're wearing defenses down. And then, and then just in the second half, it's just now Henry's having even more success and you're possessing the ball, which is one of the key things that the Ravens didn't do 
last week is that those fourth down, you know, when you turn it over, you don't convert on those fourth downs. That's you're not controlling the ball as a ball control offense. And then you're giving the ball right back to Tennessee, who was able to control it. And then Henry just ran wild. So, I mean, but the first thing you have to look at here with Kansas City's run defense, it is a joke. Like it's not a it's not a fake narrative or anything. It's really bad. And I, last week on the podcast, I went through player by player on, on a couple guys on their edge, some of the worst in the league against the run, all their linebackers. I mean, they're not even rated in the top 60, 70 among qualified linebackers. Um, and then you have the question of Chris Jones, who didn't play in that first game. Henry ran for 188 yards. And it was a game Kansas City led, I should know, 29-20 in the, in the fourth quarter. And a bunch of fluky things happened. And Tennessee ended up winning. But there was no Chris Jones in that game either. He's huge up front. And something else to note, no Thornhill at safety. You saw that big play. It was kind of a blown coverage on the outside. But what does Tennessee want to do? They want to just run it to Henry a bunch and then set up play action. And given the Chiefs run defense, you're going to have these safeties creeping up and make, you're, you're going to see a potential a number of shots, I think, completed to, if this game is close and Henry is just eating them alive up front. So that is the worry if you're a Kansas City fan. On the other side of the ball, I just don't know how this Tennessee secondary can really slow down Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is his first game back from his knee injury. The first time I played, he still threw for almost 400 yards, maybe more, somewhere. 446, I believe it was. Yeah, yes. it was a huge day. You know, now you have Logan Ryan, who's who's actually pretty good against the run. And I thought that's huge against the Chiefs. And now, but he might not play, and he was sick. And I, but he's not going to be able to cover anyone in the slot. He's one of the worst slot corners. In the, I mean, Tyree Kill came out today and said no one can cover us. And uh, when they're healthy, he's right. So that's the concern for Tennessee, and that's why you need to possess the ball for as long as you can. So it's an interesting it's an interesting game from a total perspective, which I think you're going to get into. Yeah, because if Tennessee is just churning the ball and they're not a fast paced team just because they're running it so much, you know, it, that's going to help the under. And then when Kansas city has the ball though, they're going to play faster and they should be able to throw on Tennessee. And then a lot of it's going to come down to can Tennessee sustain this insane red zone touchdown percentage. They don't use their kicker. I mean, they're, they're at 90% of plus since Tannehill came in and scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's historic, historically great. Um, the Ravens were number two in the NFL this year, like 68%. So uh, I think it's a fascinating game from a total and a side perspective. I think ultimately that Henry's going to have a ton of success, especially if Jones is out. That's going to set up some play action. I don't think Tennessee is going to win this game, uh, but this reminds me a lot of some old Ravens-Patriots games when the Ravens go up there. There's a big under the catch in seven, seven and a half. It's a tough-minded team, and they'll find a way to cover and, you know, the, the extra day of rest for Tennessee, it's got to help a little bit. This is a team playing its fourth straight road game, which you have to note. So getting an, a little, an extra day should help. But the defense is back, is bagged up. They have one really reliable corner, Nadori Jackson. He's playing a little banged up too. So it's going to come down to how much of success can Henry have? And then can they convert in the red zone? And based on what I've seen from the Chiefs run defense and some of the injuries, and I think that Henry's going to have another big day. He's running for basically 200 yards every game lately. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like, I, I totally agree. I think, like, I'm looking at Henry's numbers right now. And so, uh, you know, on our Fantasy Flex podcast this week, you know, Sean Corner, Matthew Friedman, and I, you know, we break everything down from DFS. But Sean also throws out his props, you know, for one for each player, kind of a key projection that he's trying to uh, sharpen and get right. I think he threw out a prop, something like 100 rushing yards for, for Henry. And, and I told him I had him projected for, for 130. And, and I, I, I like, about the over. And when I'm looking at the, you know, because, you know, of course, you know, there's only two games. So we'll, we'll kind of touch on, you know, other bets besides just the spread and the total. And, and you know, I, I know you're, you're, you're leaning uh, Tennessee 
with, with the seven and a half here. And I think Henry is an interesting bet because even if Tennessee does fall behind, you know, whether they cover or not, I mean, I think you can parlay it with a ten, this bet, but like Derrick Henry over 150 rushing yards um, is plus 202 here. Over 161 is plus 257. Uh, you know, those aren't out of the question. This guy has gotten 30 plus carries in each of the past three three games. And he has five, no, six games over of 149 or more. And they've all come, you know, they've all come since week 10. So they've all come with Tannehill at starter. They've all come since week 10. I think he's going to be the key. And uh, I'm it's a good I am run blocking unit against a bad front seven. You know, their offensive line isn't great against the pass, but this isn't a team that's going to come out and drop back. They're just going to feed Henry and set up some play action shots and some third, you know, some throws on first down on play action. Like it's not, so it's, it's a team that matches up pretty well offensively. Defensively is another question, but go ahead. Yeah. So I'm taking the under 53 as my pick for this game. You know, we're, we're each going to take a side in a total. So it's not, not much choice. Um, I, my pick for the other game, I will say is more confident. We're going to do our, we'll just do two points per pick here. So I think you're down three now with the, with the so yeah, like 55, 52. So um, if you get both right and I get both wrong, you'd be in business here. Yeah. You need me to get both of these wrong. So hopefully I don't, but we're talking Titans here. So I probably will get this one wrong, but I am going under 53. And the reason is, uh, you know, Tennessee was uh, a very profitable over team, you know, during the regular season with Ryan Tannehill uh, as the starting quarterback. Uh, and then when they got to the playoffs, you started to see the unders hit. The, the one way that you do kind of hit the under in these Chiefs games is you have to play ball control and you have to play like the Titans play. And I think, you know, to your point, when Tennessee, even if Tennessee gets down in the first quarter, uh, second quarter. I mean, I think even into the second half, if they're down 14, 21 points, they're going to run Henry because, you know, as the weed gets larger, you know, defenses will, you know, play the pass a little bit more either way, you know, Derrick Henry, five, six yard gain, still better uh, in the scheme of things, making him drive the field, uh, you know, giving up a, a big play on play action or something like that. So I, I do think that Henry uh, will kind of decide this. And I, I think because the Titans kind of play that ball control, even when they, you know, they're down in games, I think that uh, the under is still more likely than the over to hit at 53. I mean, you look at chiefs games, 10, 10 of the 17 have gone under 53. So, you know, that's a large number for any two NFL teams to hit any given game. I think it's inflated a bit because of what happened in, in that Texans games where, you know, it ends up being what 51, 31, that's uh, that's 82 points. You know, you see that. And I think, you know, as a casual better, you're, you're looking at the Titans now who continue to outperform expectations and you're saying, okay, you know, yeah, they had some under games, but uh, I think the reason that one got bet up, even though we see more of the money, you know, there's a discrepancy there where, where, you know, there's more money money um, than bets on the under the total still goes up I, I think that's mostly to do with kind of casual betters in, inflating that one a bit so I like the value there uh, at 53 uh, toward the under and I just think you know it, it's interesting the one thing about the Chiefs with kind of a silver lining I would say for them without Thornhill in passing situations at least on third downs and, and medium to long uh, or or in the prevent whatever not uh, they will play a lot of two safety deep because Thornhill was really the only safety that they trusted in single high. Now that hurts on early downs because um, I don't know, like that's I, what I, I mean, you for like an early play yeah. action shot. Yeah, like, you can't play. You, I mean, I don't think you you can play uh, two safeties deep in, uh, against Tennessee, and I think that's one of the ways that this Tennessee offense has been so successful in the past game because 
you look at Ryan Tannehill and you say, how is he having, you know, all this success when, you know, he was kind of a, a middling below average quarterback throughout his career with the Miami Dolphins. And play action is, of course, a large part of it. You know, you know, per pro football reference on, on play action passes this season, uh, he is 20. He has he is 58 of 74, 78 percent completions just during the regular season, 58 of 74, 1095 yards, eight touchdowns, uh, 14.8 yards per pass attempt. Uh, eight touchdowns, two picks, 143.5 rating. Uh, and then in non-play action, though, he's still been very good. Uh, you know, 67.5 completions, 14 touchdowns, four picks, 104.8 rating, you know, 7.8 yards per attempt. That's still pretty good. That's above the league average per attempt just with all plays, just with non-play action for Tannehill. And I think part of it is as with Henry being such a threat on the ground, it's almost like any play, every play that's not like a third and long is like a play action, even if they're not, uh, you know, faking to the running back, because yeah. you still have to kind of you're like as a linebacker, yeah, as a on the field is looking, yeah, you're looking at Henry and you're bringing your, your linebackers and your, and, you know, your linebackers up close, you're bringing your, probably a safety down. This isn't just, you know, the Titans, you know, going play action and it's, you know, AJ Brown going off. I mean, last game against Baltimore, it was Khalif Raymond that, that caught the long touchdown. And I think that works to the Titans' advantage. In the Patriots game, it was Ferkser catching a touchdown. I think it works to the Titans' advantage that you can't devote more than a, a man coverage, like a single guy, to a Khalif Raymond. Even if he is, even if you do think he's going to run 50 yards down the field, you can't uh, double a guy like Anthony Ferkser in the red zone, even if he is a guy that you know Titans like to throw to, to their tight ends in the red zone. So uh, I think that's kind of how they've had this red zone success, you know, with everyone looking at, at Henry. I think that's how they've had this success in the past game beyond just play action is it's just a threat at this point uh, of the run with this guy. So uh, I think that Tennessee, um, you know, they, they'll have success in those areas. They'll continue to have success in those areas, but because they're so skewed toward the run and, and they've run the ball, you know, they've dropped back, you know, under, 20 times in, in these last two playoff games. Uh, I, I'm, I'm leaning toward the under here just because, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, yes, they can score fast, but Tennessee, this is a defense that, you know, Houston played man coverage. I think that's something we should point out too. Uh, Houston played a ton of man coverage because they felt we can't match up, you know, in, in zone, he's just going to pick us apart. I, I think Tennessee will play a little more zone. Uh, they don't blitz a lot. They were, uh, they don't blitz a lot. They don't get a lot of pressure, but one thing they do do is they, um, they'll tend to double team two guys a lot of the time. So like in the Patriots game, they doubled James White and Edelman on like key third down plays. And so I think you'll see some of that with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey getting doubled on certain plays. And yeah, that'll open up other things. But ultimately, I think Tennessee will do whatever it can to kind of force Kansas City, you know, to drive down the field and not and try to limit the explosive plays. Um, so, you know, everything's going to kind of be set up. Uh, Tennessee, you know, Tennessee's going to be working, you know, toward this under. Kansas City is going to try to get off to a fast start. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, let's say Kansas City does get off to a fast start and they do get up, you know, 14-21, I still think that plays into the under again because, you know, number one, it's just going to be a little bit harder for Tennessee to be efficient if the threat of, the more of the threat of Henry is removed and they're still going to play that style anyway. So um, either way, I think there's more things, uh, more things than not working in favor of, of this under at 53 here. Yeah, the, it's a really high number for, uh, you know, a conference championship game. The only scary thing is, and if you just get a little regression uh, on these Tennessee red zone trips, it should hit. And it's worth mentioning Kansas City, by the way, has a special teams advantage and 
Tennessee's kicker is going to be kicking his first field goal attempt of the year. Maybe he won't, but yeah, if he can even get a little regression in the red zone, they settle for a couple of field goals, it should hit. Just the only, the only scary thing is, is that both offenses match up well with both opposing defenses, right? So the Kansas City's have one of the worst run defenses. In the NFL, you have one of the best backs uh, who's on fire. And then Tennessee, really good run defense. Not so great against the pass. Banged up secondary, banged up linebackers. They should get Brown back. Evans is also banged up. Now, can they, can anyone really cover Kelsey anyway? No. But And then just in general, on their, their secondary, also a little banged up. And they're trying to cover one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So just on the surface, the matchups favor both offenses significantly, but it's a really high number. And you just need to, you know, a couple things to go your way and without even turnovers in the red zone and, and you should get there. But yeah, so my play, your, your play is on the under. Yep. I'm going with Tennessee and just when in doubt, you know, in general, and look, it doesn't work every week. You got to look at the matchups and I love the Henry matchup here. And when in doubt, I'll always fall back on taking, you know, a touchdown or more. In the NFL playoffs, it's about a 60% proposition over the last, what, since 2003 in our database. It'll be interesting to see how nuts Henry can go and if he can get Tennessee to the Super Bowl. And uh, speaking of how nuts Henry can go, that is a good segue into the fact that we, once again, are still running our Fade Ravel promotion with our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. This week, our colleague Darren Ravel predicts that Derrick Henry will not score a touchdown. So if you think Henry will score a touchdown and you do want to fade Ravel, points bet has boosted the odds uh, from minus 200 to even money that Henry will not reach the end zone. Their biggest odds boost so far. Personally, I think that even at even money, it's probably uh, at best a toss up. I think he gets into the end zone, but Darren Ravel, he's been he's been on with these with these picks. So uh, I think Ravel's he's due hot. for some regression. Yeah, Ravel's hot. Got a chance to, to hang out with him a, a couple of days ago. Shouts to him. Um, but I think that he is due for some regression. So if you're interested in fading Ravel, just follow the link in this episode description for more details. All right. Let's get into this second game, and then we'll circle back. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, just which underdog we take more on the money line in our our usual money line underdog parlay segment. But let's talk about this game from a side total perspective. Anything else we're looking for? It is the fourteen and three Green Bay Packers heading to San Francisco to take on the Forty ers thirteen and three during the regular season, won their divisional round matchup, so they're also fourteen and three. The line, seven and a half in favor of the Niners. Opened at seven, moved up a half point. The total has stayed at 45, 57% of bets, 63% of money on the 49ers here. And then uh, when you look at the total, 73% of the bets on the over, 73% of the money on the over. And yet that total has stayed still uh, at 45, that kind of tells you where the books are at with this one. But uh, Stuck, initial thoughts on, on how these two teams match up and where you're going with your pick. Yeah, I mean, I like the under here. And the first meeting, Stan Fran won 37-8. And I mean, their, their defense dominated. Their defense wasn't even as healthy as it is now. So I think that the San Fran defense should show out. Now, what happened in that game is if you look at what the Packers have done, their offense hasn't been spectacular, although Rodgers made some vintage throws to lock up that game and, and in the second half last week. But their offense hasn't been anywhere close to elite all year. But where it has been elite is early on in games. So, you know, during the scripted portion, this is a team that is top three in, in the NFL in first quarter points. I mean, go look at any of their home games and a number of the games. Go look at the Redskins game. This is a team that goes up early 
in games. And then a lot of times that's to hold on. It happened again against Seattle. That script was flipped against San Fran. So in the first drive of the game, and by the way, these are two, from a turnover perspective, these are two complete opposite quarterbacks. Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history as far as taking care of the ball. And Jimmy G can get a little loose with the ball at times. But in the first drive of that game, Rodgers fumbled and San Fran took over the two-yard line and they scored. And they went up 7 nothing, and then it kind of snowballed from there. And, and the Green Bay offense isn't going to come back on that San Fran pass rush, that San Fran secondary, especially now. So I, I think a fast start for Green Bay is paramount. That's something to keep an eye on. Uh, because if they go down 7-14 nothing again, then it makes them one-dimensional. And the way that you have to try and attack San Fran is you have to try and keep them honest and stay committed to the running game. When you're down 23 nothing at the half and you have Aaron Rodgers, you're not really going to stay committed to the running game. But, you know, on the other side, it's this Green Bay defense is, you know, against the run. It's been improved uh, since the bye week. I mean, Kenny Clark, a healthy Kenny Clark has helped a ton. What's going to be really interesting for me to see is that, you know, they like to play a lot of, and I've said this before, they like to play a lot of heavy dime. You'll see like Ibrahim Campbell, a safety in there as your other linebacker. But Raven Green, who's, you know, first couple weeks, he's, I think, better against the run in that state. You might see him back. But uh, regardless, it's a smaller second level. You know, if you go back and look at a lot of their problems early on in the year against the run, and Patton will say this, you know, and, and a lot of this is like a narrative type of statement, but it's actually true from what I was seeing with Green Bay early in the year is that there was a lot of missed assignments. There was people out of position in that front seven, and they were just giving up just enormous holes, right? And there was just explosive runs all over the place. So they've seemed to shore some of that up, but you're going to get a huge test this weekend against a San Fran offense that will test that as well as any team in the NFL with all their motion, their pre-snap motion, uh, their misdirection. So how much improved is Green Bay's defense from a run discipline perspective from that first game to this game? It's still a question. I think they're better you know, I don't care. What, I mean, look, they, they, Seattle's offensive line was decimated and they're on their fifth and sixth string backs. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't take a ton from what they did in that game. So I think that's a key. But, but the, the first thing that, you know, jumped out to me is this line is seven and a half. Uh, I know you're going to go back to your San Fran boys, but this line was three in the first meeting. And you were on San Fran then, too, and it turned out to be a bad line. But that's a, a pretty significant jump. Now, San Fran's defense, healthier now. They're going to get some pieces back. So, And Green Bay in that first game at 2.8 yards per play. So I think this is a low-scoring game. And from a pace perspective, these are not two fast teams. You know, you're 18th and 20th in uh, neutral pace situations. So you're not going to see, you know, a ton of pace. San Fran is obviously going to run it a lot. and But they're going to pass it intelligently. They're going to throw it on first downs and – but Green Bay, I think, is going to have to try and stay committed to run. So I think this is a low-scoring defensive game. As far as my contractual obligation to mention my Packers' future, and all year I'm kicking myself for not having a Ravens' future, and the Ravens are the best team in the NFL, and the Packers stunk all year, and here I am with my 18-1, to and the pa- and the Ravens are at home. It just shows you it's one game, one game scenario. You never know what can happen. So in regards to the Packers' future, I have 18-1, to and you can't really hedge it here. You know, I mean, because like, if you think about it, they're – more than two to, they're about two to one underdog. If the Chiefs win and get to the Super Bowl, they're about, a, you know, Chiefs will probably be minus 200. Line will be around Chiefs minus six, five, six, somewhere in that ballpark. So what are you going to do? I mean, your hedge options are limited, even with just two games now. So I'll, pro- I'll probably let the future ride. Now, what you could do is the Packers play second. So if the Titans upset the Chiefs, then you have a little more flexibility because the Packers would be a small favorite over the Titans in the Super Bowl. Maybe it comes out a pick if the Titans win and, you know, they look really impressive and there's some perception bump. 
Uh, I think some look at lines now have it Packers minus two and a half. But regardless, instead of being a six point underdog, you're a, a favorite or a pick. You have a little more options. But I'm personally 90 percent sure I'm letting it ride. Maybe Green Bay goes up early as they've done in so many games. And then I can take some San Fran live as a, a partial hedge to the future. But that's where I stand from a future perspective. But do you think that it's an under game? Green Bay at least has a good offensive line, but it's just I, you're going to need an enormous game from Devontae Adams in order for this Green Bay offense to go nuts on the opposite of Sherman. Maybe Tyler Irvin, who's been a, a godsend for the Packers, can make a play, mainly in, in the return game. This is a guy who came to Green Bay in December. He has more punt returns than the whole team did the, prior to that. Um, and they can maybe use him on some jet sweeps and things like that. I, but it's it's going to be a tough ask because this 49ers defense is healthy and they are as good as it gets. And then I do think that the Green Bay defense will be a little better than we saw in the first time around. So uh, I, I, I'm going to throw out, I'm going to say neither team gets to uh, gets beyond 24. So give me the under 45. Yeah. And I think that is the the better side of this line. Uh, I don't think it's the total is too far off. Like I like the, I like the Niners better at seven and a half. I took them at seven, uh, wrote that up in our early bets piece uh, that came out on actionnetwork.com earlier in the week. But, you know, and I know you might disagree here, but I just, uh, I have a lot more confidence in this pick, I think, than, than pretty much any other for this weekend. And the reason is because I think that, and you know, uh, you know, I've been kind of on the 49ers, like, like, they're like my anti-Titans. Like, I'm pretty much always wrong about, you know, when I was, at least with the spreads with, with the Titans, but um, I've kind of been on the Niners. I've had a good read on them. I felt like, uh, you know, even in that Rams game where everyone kind of felt like they would come back down to earth early in the year. Uh, they came out and, and just dominated the Rams, uh, Packers, same deal, Vikings last week. Uh, and, and I think, you know, what, what stood out to me about this line was that it opened at seven. You know, the, the Niners also closed the seven-point favorites against the Vikings in that divisional round. Well, by, by, by pretty much any metric you look at, the Vikings are a better team than the Packers. Um, not win-loss record because the Packers happen to match up extremely well with the Vikings and, and, and beat them up in two games, uh, one of them which the Vikings went down 21 nothing, I think it was, and then ended up losing 21-16. But – Packers went two and zero against the Vikings, which which kind of shifts it and you kind of, and, and shifts the perception. But uh, you look at uh, something like simple rating system, which is just uh, essentially schedule adjusted uh, margin of victory, and the Vikings uh, are five point four, the Packers are three point two, uh, Niners are up at eleven point zero, and then you look at DVOA. Uh, Vikings had a better team than the Packers. They they were seventh, pack tenth. Vikings about twice as efficient in terms of the actual percentages uh, versus the league average in DVOA. So the, the Vikings just happened not to to match it well with the Packers. That kind of knocked it down. But I think this line should be bigger um, because the Niners have the same advantages pretty much that they had against the Vikings against this Green Bay team. Uh, the top advantage being, and the reason I think it will be tough for Green Bay to stay close. Um, if they don't get, you know, you know, a turnover or something like that ends up scoring. Um, I think it'll be tough is because the same way you beat the Vikings offense, Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, is you get pressure without blitzing. I keep hammering this home because it's the 49ers were really the only team in the NFL that was able to truly accomplish this at an elite level. Uh, they blitzed at the second highest rate uh, during the regular season, 28.7%. Uh, excuse me, they, they got pressure at the second highest rate during the regular season, 28.7% uh, per pro football focus, uh, blitzed at the fourth lowest rate, uh, just under 21% of the time. And when you can do that, that means that you have seven guys to devote to coverage. And, you know, the reason they can do that is because they have Joe, uh, Nick Bosa, they have Armstead, they have 
uh, D Ford back now. So the Niners, they can get pressure. Their pressure rate was even higher when, when D Ford was healthy and Quan Alexander uh, and, and was healthy, but they can get pressure without blitzing. And then you look at Rogers' numbers this year in the different splits. And when he's, ha- when he's faced a, a blitz as most elite quarterbacks do, he has shredded it. So Rogers' numbers against the Blitz this year, 148 attempts, uh, 8.3 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, no picks. Uh, and then you look at his numbers against a normal rush. Yeah, still 19 touchdowns, uh, four picks, but on a, uh, 448 attempts, uh, only 6.7 yards per attempt. So you can really neutralize Rogers uh, by not blitzing him. He's, he's going to turn the ball over. If he does turn the ball over, it's going to be usually when you don't blitz. On top of that, he's not he's not going to put the you know he's not going to put the ball in danger, which explains the low yard per attempt. Then you look at okay, how can the what, how, the 49ers, What makes them elite? The reason they led the NFL in net yards per pass attempt, uh, you know, at four point eight, is because they can also cover, especially Quan Alexander back, really quick linebacker, uh, and then you have Jaquiski's hard at safety, uh, really smart, makes a lot of the defensive calls when he's back there, uh, can can man up on tight ends if need be, uh, and then you look so you look at how they cover. And Devontae Adams in that first matchup, 12 targets, 43 yards. His He had 43 yards receiving and 44 yards after the catch, which means his average reception took place essentially at the line of scrimmage, and it was all after the catch. Well, for the season, Adams, uh, his average reception is about seven and a half yards beyond the line of scrimmage. You can neutralize Adams. It goes a long way toward neutralizing the offense because you look at last week, Rodgers, 243 yards passing, 164 Adams. That's two thirds, two thirds of the yardage to Adams. Then you look at Rodgers in that game against San Fran, 104 yards passing his worst, his lowest total, any game in his career in which he had 23 or more pass attempts. So it's, I I think that it's going to be really tough to find answers to neutralize this, this uh, 49ers defense. Uh, if you're the Packers, I think the one thing they'll do is try to run it. You know, on first down, Green uh, San Francisco was uh, 29th in the league in in uh, in rush success rate. So that's what they're go- you're going to have to do. But then you look at last week, and they have all these guys healthy, and and, and they have Alexander who had speed, even if he was a little rusty, and they hold Dalvin Cook uh, in check. He only had 26 yards on 15 touches. So Aaron Jones had one 23 yard run. I think it was on the opening drive last week against Seattle. And then, uh, he goes, he ends the game 21 for 62 under three yards of carry. San Fran has more rest. Jones got banged around in that game. Jamal Williams still not fully healthy apparently. So, you know, I, I think it's really going to be tough for the Packers, you know, just a median outcome, I think is more, is more than a one possession game in this case. And I think it, it's just really, if you, if you kind of, you know, project it out, you know, it's closer to, to, to 10 than it is to seven, uh, in, in my opinion. And Yeah, know, but a lot of those numbers are based on if this Green Bay defense is not significantly improved, right? I'm talking about straight up, like I'll take, like take the entire year San Francisco numbers. Cause that kind of evens it out because San Francisco almost all, like they had a major uh, drop off in defense in weeks four th- 14 through 17, which was when you had Tart pretty much, you had Tart out every game. You had Ford. I think he played a few snaps, but he was out. Sherman missed the game. And then you had, um, uh, Quan Alexander. He was out for all those games. So you, you kind of take those and then you say, okay, yes, Green Bay's defense was improved, but you look at who they played down the stretch. Um, and they didn't play a lot of great offenses. They played Detroit, they played Chicago, they played all these teams. So I think it it, it kind of evens out for both of these teams to where the, the drop-offs and, 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 you know, some of the, the, the improvements that they've had. And I still think that this line should be closer to 10. And I definitely think it should be, uh, you know, a point, point and a half higher than the Vikings game. So 
yeah, I, I like San Francisco uh, at seven and a half. Um, again, I just think it should be larger than that. And I do like the under because I do think that, um, I mean, I like the under more than the over because I do think that Green Bay does try to run it uh, on first down, uh, especially. I think they do see um, that that's probably where you're going to get San Francisco. And then on the other side, you saw San Francisco. I mean, what did they run it? Like 20 straight times once they got up against Minnesota last week? So, and, and they had success, which is, you know, they could still score doing that, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think with the extra rest, the extra day here, uh, you know, they, they have three backs. Breed, I don't know if he plays as much, but they still have three backs that they could conceivably use. So, so even though they had a lot of runs last week, no one particularly got uh, banged up um, or, or kind of overworked. And, and then you look at the, on the other side, I mean, Aaron Jones, 21 carries, you know, for the season, he's down, uh, you know, he's usually in the, in the mid-teens. So I just think that you look at it all, and I think it's another one of these situations that just favors um, – favors West scoring and it favors the Niners and Aaron Rodgers, even on the road. I mean, you know, first, well, first of all, Aaron Rodgers, since Adams came back, like the numbers are still ugly. 6.14 yards per attempt, little over 1.3 touchdowns per game. And then you look at his numbers on the road and at home, he's averaging eight yards an attempt on a road. He's averaging 6.1. So, you know, we talked about Rodgers and Lambeau. I, I took the pack last week. Uh, I thought they could cover the short spread. They barely did. Uh, but I think it's going to be tough. I don't think this is like something, a few coaching, you know, adjustments or like, you know, not fumbling that football inside the, uh, you know, inside scoring position and giving San Fran that, that early lead. I don't think that's something that necessarily knocks a ton off of the, the, the final outcome. I just think San Francisco's defense, as they have been all year, when healthy with those three key guys, Tart, Ford, and, uh, and Alexander, I just think this is a dominant defense that, you know, it's tough. It's tough to beat, it's tough to score on, and it's tough to, uh, to stay close against. Yeah, I mean, but the one the one difference that I will say for between Minnesota and Green Bay, I mean, obviously you you, you take Rodgers over Cousins in a big game, and he gets rid of the ball a little quicker. Yeah. But Green Bay obviously is a much better offensive line, and yep. you know Bulaga is going to play, so at least they have two tackles that are really good that you know can at least compete with San Fran. But their offensive line is a lot better, which theoretically helps. But when I think the formula for the Packers, and I think the Forty ers are going to win this game, now it's still a one football game. Yeah, last week against the Vikings. You know, a couple plays, who knows what happens? You know, that the muff punt, the Cousins pick, and then the fumble, you know, got overturned. I never actually got a really good look at it. I don't disagree with the call, but say that is a fumble. You know, San Fred turns around, scores a touchdown. So this is what Green Bay has to do because Green Bay's defense has been opportunistic all year, right? That's why a lot of their numbers, they've won more games than their numbers would indicate that they have, um, is that their defense will give up a ton of yards and then they'll get a big pick. They'll get a big sack and, and pressure and strip strip fumble, you know, so and they didn't do that in the first game against San Fran. But that's what they need to do here, because there's, you know, one weakness in, in Jimmy G's game now is that he will he can get careless with, with the ball. And it's not like he's chucking it downfield. I mean, this is a guy with the lowest depth of target in the NFL. Um, he just has a bunch of receivers that are also getting a ton of yards, which is where their explosiveness comes from when you're trying to stop their run. Um, but Green Bay is going to have to force a turnover. This is the formula, especially for people listening to the future. And I don't necessarily disagree with your bet. Like I'm not betting green Bay, but I'm not hedging my, my future. And I think that if I, if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably just take the seven F cause that's how I'm programmed. But you know, cause I make it right around the touchdown, but this is what they're going to do. You have to get a fast start. Have to absolute must. They're going to have to get a turnover, which a turnover or two, I think. And then Rogers can't turn it over. I trust the, the Rogers won't turn it over more than the other two. Cause Rogers, I mean, it's probably, I think maybe one or two in the NFL and, turnover rate per game but can they find a way in the scripted portion of the game where they excelled at all year can they find a way to have enough 
really solid scripted plays that go down the field. They got to feed Adams, I think. I mean, I think that the one weak link in that secondary is potentially Witherspoon on the outside trying to stay with someone on on in, in man coverage, which they'll run on third downs. Um, he won't play. He might not play. I mean, yeah, he they, play. he'll play. He'll play if they go to four wide. I think you know, but they, I don't know if he'll play. Whoever, in the whoever's out on them. Adams, that's the, on third downs. I mean, that's where Rodgers has to look and has to because you're not going to get anything on the other side with anybody else against Sherman, um, and you're not going to get much up the middle um, with the way that their defense plays. So it's it's going to have to be Rodgers buying time, and then Adams beating his man on some third down plays. Uh, but it's turnovers. It's a fast start, and then you you gotta force Jimmy G into a mistake or two, um, and then your run defense has to be better. So there, it's a it's a big ask for Green Bay. Uh, it's still a football game, but I, I think San Fran should win this game. Um, and uh, natural, I mean, a natural transition into the money line underdog. I mean, I think that the and I, it, I can't wait to try and break down to get Mahomes versus the San Fran defense, which would be crazy. But uh, I think if you play these games out a hundred times each because of the one glaring weakness on Kansas city in their run defense going up against Henry. And there's not one of those with on San Fran that green Bay can exploit, right? There's not look at this matchup um, that if you play both these games a hundred times, I think the Titans went out right more times than the Packers went out right in, in a similar spread. So from a money line underdog perspective, if you're looking for one this weekend, even though I have a future on the pack, I'd probably choose Titans over Packers. The the one thing that you could convince yourself is you have oh you have Aaron Rodgers, blah blah blah. Um, but I think that the Henry factor gives the Titans a real shot if they just because realistically this he's could average seven six seven yards a carry. He's, he can wear this team down. They're dealing with the flu, especially no Chris Jones, or it might not be Chris Jones might not go in practice today. Dealing with the flu, it's gonna be like twenty five degrees. This defense just you see them in the second half; they're just worn down, and Henry's gashing them. Tannehill makes a couple explosive play action plays on first down. I see a route to Tennessee winning, even though I don't think they do more times than Green Bay would. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and I think they're depending on your book. If you can get some, there's like some interesting parlay opportunities with uh, the Titans and Henry's rushing yardage and and them winning. Because I mean, and I hate these stats, you know, as far as because it does. If you run, if you're up big, you're running at a time. Yeah, you run because you can because you're up. But, but Tennessee just runs it no matter what, and when you're giving it to Henry, no matter what, it's good, really good. Right. So, so the the Titans are in, in games where Henry's run for ninety or more yards. Even they are undefeated. They they've won. They're nine and zero in games that he's run for even ninety yards. They're they're six and zero in games he's run for. 149 or more yards and all of those games again have come over the second half of the season so I mean you can get plus money on the Titans you know money line the Titans uh about plus 290 right now you can also get plus money on on Henry you know his median I think rushing prop for this week like his over under is 110 you can I mentioned earlier you know you can get like plus two uh 200 on on him going for 160 or more or something like that. So you could, there's some interesting parlay, parlay opportunities here if your book allows it with, with Henry and the, and the Titans because the way you do beat the Chiefs is you do have to run the ball, keep you know convert, keep stay ahead of the chains, and keep that uh, offense off the field with Mahomes and then hope they make uh, – you know they commit a turnover or two like they did early in that uh, 
in that Houston game. So yeah, I totally agree. I think it, I just don't have a lot of confidence in this Green Bay team. Their margin for error to me is just so much smaller. And I think this line, I, I think the line and the odds kind of reflect, you know, Rodgers, the whole Rodgers factor and the fact that San Francisco's, you know, they've been dominant when, when healthy on defense, but they haven't really been here before. And, 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 you know, Garoppolo hasn't been in this, in this spot before, but I mean, you look at Garoppolo just as a starter, you know, he has not lost very many games, you know, e- you know, even in San Francisco, that first year he came over in, in 2017, he goes five and zero. Oh. So in, in the regular season, as a starter, he is 21 and five, you know, he, two, two with the Patriots. And then with the Niners, he's 19 and five. And then you add in that victory last week against the Vikings. So he's 20 and five uh, as a starter for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you know, so you know, he, yeah, they, he gets blitzed a lot. He'll make some mistakes, but you know, he's been pretty reliable as far as the, the Niners winning the game. So I, I actually did take uh, the, the money line for the Niners, you know, anything could happen, you know, one possession game, whatnot, but uh, I do feel pretty confident in, in San Francisco. Uh, winning and, and Kansas City, yeah, I just think there's a wider range of outcomes as there has been uh, all year in the in these uh, in these Titans games. Yeah, I mean the the one if you look at the two dogs, the one and there's there's some variance in single season red zone numbers, just like fumble numbers, but they do speak to certain factors and certain teams based on how they're built are going to be better scoring touchdowns in the red zone. But, you know, because of Baltimore last week, they actually dropped down. So if you look at season-long stats through the playoffs through last, this weekend, number one in the NFL, red zone scoring t- touchdown percentage. And this is including with Mariota when they were bad. Tennessee at 78%. Well, Kansas City has not been great in the red zone this year. And obviously it's just more restricted space with Mahomes and that passing attack. And they're not a great running team, which is why their red zone numbers aren't elite for an elite offense, but Tennessee, number one in the NFL, Kansas city's sitting at like 13th. They're not terrible. They're just, it's not their strength. And then, you know, who's number two in the NFL right now is green Bay. So green Bay is at 66% and San Fran has not been good. So they're 21st. So that is another way that playoff pressure that these dogs, and, and I should have mentioned this with green Bay, but they're, they're going to have to co- continue their pace uh, on offense, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, they, neither of these teams can't settle. They can't settle for field goals when they get into the red zone, Green Bay or Tennessee. And they're going to have to hold Kansas City and or San Fran to a couple field goals because they can't afford to just continue to give up touchdowns. So keep an eye on the red zone as well, because you, these two underdogs on the road, they're number one and number two in red zone scoring touchdown percentage, playing two really good offenses. But that hasn't been their strength in the red zone. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's that's a good point on Green Bay. That is, I mean, they and that's why it's so tough at the same time. It's turnovers, because, and then when they get a chance, they score yeah. a touchdown. So it's like that's why their numbers are skewed. Yeah, like they they have to convert, and it's it's going to be tough. Um, you know, with San, with with this defense healthy, I think for for Tennessee, it's going to be a little bit. I think they can you know they can convert in the red zone because they can continue to convert in the red zone, and and they can probably get a stop or two on Mahomes because again, they tend to play a lot of coverage. They'll double people. And just kind of force you to, you know, I'm sure Sammy Watkins is a guy. He he may he's a potential X factor. We've seen him come alive in the playoffs last year. I think he'll get his opportunities. Uh, and, and then I think Damian Williams or, or another one, you know, Demarcus Robinson. He's a, it's like playing without without a, a fifth receiver sometimes when he's out there. So that's kind of another advantage for Tennessee, especially when you get in the red zone. So yeah, uh, Tennessee's not a great running team this year, and Tennessee's strength is the run defense. So it just takes you know a good coverage call or two, a Mahomes overthrow, and then all of a sudden that's a field goal. That's a, that's huge. So, so keep an eye on the on the what happens in the red zone on both sides in both games. And I think that if you're Green Bay and Tennessee, you got to call both games a little aggressively here. 
it, depending on the time and, and situation, but especially if you're Tennessee, if you're fourth and one at, the, at midfield, fourth and two, you're going, you go every time. 20, 30 yards to Mahomes against your secondary is nothing, especially when you can hand it to Henry or have a great play action pass drawn up against this Chiefs run defense. So the aggressive level of both, you know, coaches who have never been here before on the road, how conservative do they get given the the moment and stage uh i think is is will go a long way because i think they're going to both need to be aggressive at the right times absolutely and it probably favors tennessee uh over, I would say the Packers. Yeah, again, just because of Vrabel is Vrabel is kind of asserting himself. You know, former Belichick guy. Um, you know, this is this could be a coming out party, Graham, if he's able to uh, to knock yeah. out Andy. Agree. And Green Bay, you might not do it based on the situation. Like, so if it does turn out to be a really low scoring game and you're in it, then you might want to punt it more so than Tennessee, who I, you know, it's you you with that advantage with Henry and what Mahomes can do to your secondary, you have to be aggressive at the right times on these fourth and ones. Absolutely. All right. Before you go, there's only two games, a couple of picks. And by the way, college basketball podcast episode will be released later this week, once a week coming. So stay tuned for details on that. But the Ray button also does the fantasy podcast, which comes out the day before you're listening to this most likely. So it's released on Wednesdays, you know, so if people are itching for a little more action, why don't you throw out one prop and you might not have mentioned already, but what's a, what's a prop that you're targeting for this weekend of who you think could have a big day. Uh, since I bet so many of these, uh, and you can follow me, obviously, in the action app uh, for, for all the picks, but I'll just draw out a few that, that I already bet uh, as we have recorded this. Uh, you can tell me if how you feel about these really quick, but I uh, got Aaron Rodgers under 240 and a half passing yards, uh, him okay. under one and a half t- uh, touchdowns. And these are both at standard juice, so minus 114. Uh, standard prop juice, I should say. And then uh, I have put in the app, but I'm going to grab uh, Derek Henry's rushing yards over at, at 110 and probably another one of those, uh, the, like the, the 140 or 150, um, you know, at, at, at plus money. So those are the ones. Oh, and then I have Rodgers over 12 and a half rushing yards because I do think that that's something that they will incorporate a little bit more, you know, season on the line, got sacked five times. I think it was anyway in the first game. So I think they'll try to, you know, like that'll be one of the ways to mitigate this pass rush. You know, they'll align in a wide nine and I think he'll step up and, and try to take some easy yardage uh, on the ground. Yeah, I don't hate any of that. I mean, the way I think the way the easiest way you lose the Packers one is if it's like a blowout and Rogers so gets many. some garbage stuff, but uh, yeah, but obviously that's always a factor, but uh, yeah, I like those overall. Uh, I wish there was a prop for Tyler Irvin Palmer turn touchdown. Packers are going to need it. Go pack. Go. There are there. You can bet on, I mean, defense, special teams, touchdowns. Like there's no, but I mean, Tyler Irvin specifically, like, if they priced <laughs> him specifically for a Palmer turn touchdown. Uh, yeah. All right. That's all I got, brother. Good stuff. All right. So that does it for another episode of the action network podcast. One quick note, we will actually be back right after the, two games are decided we're going to record a pod a reaction pod right after that so it should be up uh late sunday night previewing the super bowl matchup uh, and, and looking back quickly at the two conference championship games so be on the lookout for that and then we'll be back with our normal uh schedule throughout the rest of the week we'll do a super bowl episode we'll do a, a fantasy flex uh, as well but do look out for Stuck and I coming to you on Sunday night with a reaction pod and a Super Bowl preview that night. And one more reminder, download the Action app. Again, if you don't have it, you can follow Stucky at Stucky2 and me at Chris Raybon in the app to track uh, all of our picks as well as your own. And you can get live odds and in-game win probabilities. You can also follow Stucky at Stucky2 on Twitter and me at Chris Raybon on Twitter. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of your NFL betting needs this 
championship week and beyond, as well as all the other sports. Uh, be sure to check that out. Let's get this money and good luck this weekend. Go back, go. We're finished talking.